everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 212. Hooray! That's wow. Already, we've not even started the show and you've decided to bomb it already. Dr. Wowie. Well, folks, <laughs> joining me today is Dr. Wowie. Dr. Wowie. <laughs> so, uh, Kieran, before we just go to complete pandemonium, do you want to explain to everyone what you're doing? I was playing Mega Man 8, which has some of the greatest voice acting in the history of all of video games. <laughs> Yes, uh, I, somebody who's joining us tonight who is not as he's deadly serious uh, about video gaming, uh, never takes the mick or the piss, is Nathan. Nathan, how you doing? I'm good, but I'd like to be known as John Pickross from now on. <laughs> Jonathan Pickross. Senior or junior? Uh, the second. There's, there's been a few in my lineage, and I'm the second one. Someone a couple of hundred years ago. Was John Pickross the first? I'm not that original. Fair enough. Cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, anyone who somehow has got this and wondered what the fuck am I listening to, uh, you're listening to Glitch Free Gaming, a weekly podcast about all sorts of games, video games, board games, games you can play with your mind. Uh... <laughs> I'm less sure about yeah. that last one, but... <laughs> I mean, no, no, I think he's right. You play all games with your mind, really. I play mind games with lots of people, so I guess, <laughs> sure. <laughs> cool. We have got a, we've got a few games to talk about this week. So, Kieran, why don't you let us know how have you been getting on with the Capcom beat-up bundle? We spoke about it the last time, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we, probably, we talked about it a little bit last time. Um, yeah. I've not played a massive amount of it, but since last time you uh, you came to mind, we played a little bit of it. We did, yes. Yeah. Um, wow. Without Nathan, because screw that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember any of the games we played, and I put this on here because we played it. <laughs> um, fuck, what did we even play of that? Sure, uh, Captain Commander. I think we might have. I think I definitely no. played some Captain Commando outside of that. Um, Captain uh, Commando is pretty good. We played the the night one, Knights of the Round. Knights of the Round. Knights of the Round's quite good. Yeah, we. I think we got with two stages. Yeah. Across it. Yeah. So we did all right with that. I was waiting for you guys. <laughs> we'll play some of it. Um, yes. <laughs> add it to the pile. Add it to the pile. God, what else do we play? Uh, yeah, that Knights of Nine is like a King Arthur... St- sorry, Knights of the Round is like a King Arthur style uh, you know, beat-em-up. All these beat-em-ups feel very similar. It's very clear that Capcom had a fucking mould that they put sprites on top of and yeah. made games that way. Um, but yeah, Knights of the Round's... It's alright. It's You know, they're kind of sort of golden axe but I guess less fantasy, more you know, King Arthur-y. Um, fuck, what else did we play out of these? Armored Warriors, which is the mech one. Yes, we've played some of that, yeah. That one was pretty good. They seem to have a little bit more depth than the other ones, because you can use two buttons, uh, sorry, three buttons rather than two buttons. Therefore, it's, you know, way deeper. 
You could do yeah. way more. <laughs> That's the thing. I didn't realize how simple almost all of these games are because they are literally just you have a punch button and a jump button. <laughs> it's like okay, great. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of early arcade beat 'em ups. Yeah. You know, before they 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 got really advanced with the three button system. Yeah. And a lot of them don't even have like combinations. A, a couple of them, you can press both buttons together to do like a special attack, but not all of them. <laughs> they don't all have that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a fun bundle. It's got a bunch of stuff in it that I have no nostalgia for, but it's fun to button mash for a while. That's really my only opinion of that game, <laughs> that whole bundle. Yeah, it's. It was a nice little bit of nostalgia, and uh, yeah, we said we're going to play some and do. Some, we'll record some content for the the YouTube channel, which uh, yeah, I think we should still do as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Got to justify that purchase somehow. Yes, <laughs> but I haven't played much more of it at all, if I'm honest. They're not the kind of games you really want to play single player. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I've been busy with other things as well. Yeah. Like perhaps Octopath Traveler. Yes, yeah, I I got back into it again. Did you ever so fall off I, it? I I you never was stopped. Busy, I was busy with Spider Man, so I wasn't putting much time into it at all. So I played through Spider Man and then got back to Octopath Traveler. So one of the times that we're talking about it, I mentioned the second job system. Yes. Have any of you got that far, or have you played around with it? Nope. <laughs> I've finished one of the chapter twos. Right, okay. So the second job system, I did mention that you could basically get a second job, assign somebody as a part of another class, and I unlocked it and I never did anything with it. I didn't go back and investigate how it worked or anything. And something made me think about it the other day there, so I went back into it. And what happens is you do you give them a second job, so you give them all the skills and abilities of that second class that you give them. Okay. So I, uh, if you take Ophelia, for example, so Ophelia is my, my main character, and she is the, the essentially she's the white mage. You know, she's the, the, the healer yeah. of the group. But then I gave, I unlocked the second job of Scholar, which is Cyrus, it's the mage. And I gave her that second job. She now, when, during combat and everything else, she can do uh, all of the skills of both of those classes at the same, not at the same time, but, you know, you can choose one of them. Mm -hmm. So it's not... It's not okay uh, for this battle. I want you to be the scholar, and the next one I want you to be the the healer. They're both immediately available to you all the time. That sounds very um, uh, bravely default. Yes, yeah. Uh, so that you know they same devs. Uh, yeah, same devs. So this is obviously them. They're you know they're picking the the they're cherry picking from all of the games that they've done. It's a nice touch. So I know I unlocked another job as well. So I've got Cyrus, who is obviously he's the the scholar, but the second job that he has now is the the market person. 
so he can buy stuff and sell stuff and yeah. uh but he's also got the what's the magic she has oh it's the the wind magic yeah she has wind magic yeah so it add, you know it adds to another one to his wheelhouse as well um the the game is i think you spoke about it Kieran where you said the only downside to it is it's a little bit grindy Mm-hmm. So you now get to the point where you're doing the level three quest. So I finished all the the, the the sorry the chapter twos, and I think I'm busy on one of the chapter threes. But you're you know you need to be like level forty before you start on the the well high thirties, low forties before you start on the chapter threes. But you can't. You you can't get those levels just by by traveling from one side of the map where you are to the other side where you need to be. You need to be a you need to physically do a little bit of grinding, you know, and looking for monsters running up and down the same path. So, in a high level, so the monsters attack you and you can go after them. And yeah, it would be. I suppose if they didn't do that, you probably end up with a game that would be over quite quickly yeah i think for me but like i find you definitely need to grind or i've had to grind so far going through chapter two is just because yes there's you know you have your party of four and no one outside of that party levels up which is you know pretty traditional for that stuff yeah but it also just means that you have a bunch of characters that are not leveling with your main party but if you want to go through all of the you know chapter one chapter two chapter threes of everything you're gonna to have to pull them out at some point, uh-huh. and so you're going about doing a bunch of like level twenty-seven content, but you know these people are still level eight from when you use them for the chapter one, so you have to grind to level them up a bit to make them actually be able to you know survive in a fight. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask about that because obviously I'm just coming to the end of everybody's chapter ones. I was hoping that. I didn't pick up on the fact that they don't level up outside of the outside of the immediate uh, party. So I was gonna ask if it's possible to you know to just like potentially level everyone up equally by kind of traveling to each one's uh, chapter two. But that sounds kind of irritating, to be honest. It's see if they. It kind of worked out, though, you know, because uh, once you get to the point where you've got three of them that are level up, leveled up to a certain point, then you're normally just switching out the fourth one hmm. and, and traveling along. And when you're in the, the stronger areas, so, for example, I took the, the merchant, uh, I forget her name, but she was level 16, but I was in an area where the danger level was 35. So it was... it didn't take me that long to get her up to sort of level 25, 20, uh, 25, 30. Yeah, they do level oh, quite quickly because you do get quite a lot more experience when they're under-leveled. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so you, you catch up to a certain level quite quickly, you know, just through regular traveling. And then once you get to kind of the area where you are, the danger level will step up again uh, to be closer to what you need to be. And I found... You know, there was a bit of grinding there needed. Um, 
Yeah, I think it would have been nice to be able to, if you wanted, you know, just to get the story and, and do the, the kind of RPG elements to be able to fast travel to the towns and not worry, you know, be at the correct levels. But then you would be probably a different game though then, wouldn't it? Yeah. I would like just like a Pokemon style, you know, kind of experience all kind of thing. Experience Right, yeah, no, that would that would make sense. Yeah, just so the people that aren't in your party could, you know, at least be leveling up, even though they're not doing anything. Yeah, yeah that seems weird. That that's the part that kind of seems weird to me. It also seems um, very kind of out of out of character for the devs, because like I said, it's the Bravely Default people, and Bravely Default kind of sorted that issue. But brave, but Bravely Default allowed you to kind of. Uh, scupper yourself in that way as well. Well, yeah, true, because you could just turn off random <laughs> yeah. encounters and then, and then not get, get any boss. levels. <laughs> you just get to a boss and it's like 15 levels of like above you. You're like, well, shit. Um, that's just, it. That just yeah, it. I, I can understand why they did it as you as you said to kind of pad some of the length out. But yeah, it's just a bit. Ah, oh, okay. I'll bear that in mind. But yeah, I do need to pick that game up again, man. I, I literally got to... I think I've got all but one character. So I haven't kind of reached the the point you guys are talking about. But Yeah, you've not really got to where it gets a bit grindy. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, uh, still, I think uh, we will be talking... Well, I'll definitely be talking about the game when it comes to Game of the Year Deliberations as well. Still enjoying it. Yeah, that's fair. I am still enjoying it as well. I just keep picking up every now and again and just playing like a couple levels, or not a couple levels, but like a couple of, you know, sections here and there. And I am really enjoying it. It's just I need to, I need to power through it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good fun. Excellent. Uh, Kieran, you have, I'm not too sure if we spoke about this on the last podcast, but you've been playing River City Ransom. Uh, I don't think you have, actually. What? Yeah, me and Nathan played through River City Ransom. Woohoo! The whole thing. First time I've ever seen the end of that game. (laughs) (laughs) We played it professionally. We're the best players of that game. (laughs) <laughs> I seen the video. We nailed it a hundred percent. I don't know how anyone gets through that game without playing it like a pinata. It's I think like you, I think you grind it because <laughs> like there's a bunch of special attacks and stuff that you could buy that we never bought. <laughs> we instead, yeah, we go through pretty much every boss fight towards the second half of that game. A couple of the early ones as well, but we actually beat at least like one or two of them normally. But a lot of those boss fights we beat just by one of us standing on either side of the enemy and just continuously hitting him so he doesn't have a chance to attack. Just bouncing them back and forth and keeping them like stuck in the animation. It was yeah. pretty fantastic. Fight fight smart, not fair. Yeah. Um, I didn't realise that the Double Dragons, or at least a parody of the Double Dragons, are in that game. And I thought that was pretty funny. You get to that yeah. one boss fight and the lift, just the doors are left open and the double dragon music just starts playing and you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> so bizarre. Um, 
but yeah, that game holds up. It maybe it's probably other than hockey. I think is the best thing for online multiplayer on that Switch NES collection stuff. Um, the one downside I'd say is that they are emulating it to be as close to the original as possible, and that it runs like garbage when you're playing it multiplayer. <laughs> So it's definitely very framey, a lot of characters like just clipping out of existence until, you know, there's too many sprites on screen. So, you know, they had to, you know, not render them all at all times. So sometimes you'd just be fighting the upper half of someone because they couldn't render his legs. And it's like, okay, I guess that's how this works. <laughs> um, but I enjoyed it. That, that game's... The game's still good. The game still has a weird amount of depth to it as well. Like, there's leveling in that. You have a crap ton of stats. You, like I said, you can buy upgrades and food that gets your stats up and, uh, like, upgrade books that give you different special attacks and things like that, which we didn't really interact with too much because we were busy picking up sticks and standing on either side of every enemy and knocking them back and forth. But yeah, you can I, do that. I, I, the only real difficulty I had in that game, apart from the gameplay, was jumping. Uh, yeah, also, yeah, there's that weird platforming bit inside that warehouse, which we <laughs> we forgot. So, also, that game is non-linear. So we got all the way to the end of it and realized we hadn't fought one of the bosses at the start, so we couldn't go into the last level. And it meant that we had to go through this warehouse section, which has this terrible platforming bit. It's not like it's not difficult in that you can that you can't die during it. You're just like climbing on top of boxes and going around a thing. But the jump is so bad in that game because it's not a platformer. The, we spent most of our playtime in that warehouse trying to jump on these boxes. <laughs> Just bad bad collision detection. Well, it's like, by the end of the game, we kind of nailed it by we kind of realised you kind of have to hold up while jumping. While I don't know. Kind of I, got, I got stuck on that basketball hoop for quite a long time as well. Yeah, but that's that's why I, I kept jumping up on the, the bench next to it. <laughs> I was like, I'm not even interacting with this anymore. But yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like it's almost Castlevania like in its collision detection. It's very, very wobbly, and it's just like you, you. If you take a running jump, you seem to like jump Mario high, but yeah, it's weird. That never seems to land on anything either. It's just, it's just really bizarre, but yeah, I enjoyed it. It's a good game. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, let's see. Uh, I feel bad to be bouncing back to Mike again, but the only thing you've got listed here, Nathan, which I added <laughs> for you, is one game that we've all been playing, so I'll probably just leave that to last. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Pick Rosses. Yes. If you want, if you want to talk about Picross says you want to filibuster this podcast. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys invited me. All right, I've, Nathan. I've down... Mike's gonna tell us about I've written down some you. of my my uh, notes on Picross says. I've got about 37 pages here. Oh no. 
questions. <laughs> oh no. No, it's it's really weird. Um it's just just a kind of I I only played well, I hadn't really played Picross before this that much and then I bought it at launch and I played a few a few puzzles and then um I just I just dropped it, you know, because something else came out and I don't know why. One day I got home from work and I was really tired and I was just like, I want to do something, but my brain can't do much. So I decided to pick up Picross and it's just become this weird habit where now every day I kind of do a few puzzles of Picross like to unwind. It's it's become like my glass of wine. It's a good game for that. It is. It's yeah. Like puzzle 60 in Picross S is a piece of shit. That's a real specific, I don't know what one that is, but okay. It's like one of it's it's one of the only ones that it appears you have to solve it by contradiction, which was like, wow, this is this has really come out of nowhere. Um that that really blew my gasket for a few days, and that's my that's my piece on Picross S. It's good. It is good. But solving solving by contradiction sucks when you're trying to unwind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you get to a certain point where you can solve puzzles just Willy nearly, and then all of a sudden something will happen, and it's like it's like a mental block I found, and you that's it, you're fucked. You just put it down and come back to it a different day. I found. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just like um most yeah, as you said, most of the puzzles you can like you know solve with common sense, but it, apparently it's this particular puzzle, and it seems to be the only one that's done it. It's like um you get left with. With basically equal pieces on each side, so there's uh, no way there's no way for you to actually solve it without putting in, like putting in the pieces and kind of like just figuring out the last the last few puzzles, uh, the last few pieces for that. But the thing is, I've got such a bad memory, so I put the pieces in, I forgot where I'd put them. <laughs> 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 so I just I spent ages picking at it, going, I'm sure it's this one I removed. Uh, maybe the three goes here. And I was like. Fuck! This is why, and that was like me for about three days, and then I, I solved it. And then since then, I've just been steaming through them. That was like that was my my plateau. It was like my uh, that was my impulse, and I just burst through it. And I just haven't looked back. Although Good. I have to say, me- Mega Picross, I have no like I'm, like my brain is is not picked up on that yet. So I might try a few yeah. of those once I'm finished. I don't really like Mega Picross that much, but. I should probably yeah, more. I'm the same. I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, so that's kind of why I just bought Picross. I finished uh, most of the stuff in Picross S and then moved on to S2. But not far you behind the anime one. No, I haven't bought the anime one. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to because I have still. I'm only on. Puzzle number forty-six of Picross S two. I didn't pick up S two, so I'm going to skip it and go full anime. <laughs> no, you may as well. Full anime. It does look quite cool. I'm, I'm quite curious about it as well. That's a real shame, as it's a page you're the one that knows the most about the series it's based on. I no, I don't. <laughs> I I 
did a quick Google of it and pasted the Wikipedia page within the group. So Which means that you know I mean, more you... than the rest of us. That's, that's <laughs> not true. You told us the entire plot lines of characters. I was like, this guy really likes his cat girl anime. I was like, wow. I <laughs> Yes, I have. Uh, I, I I keep cats, therefore I like cat girl anime. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's fine. What, everyone loves cat girl anime. Anyone that says otherwise is lying. That's it. Cat girl gaming, the new podcast. You heard it right here. There's only two types of people in the world: people like cat girl anime, and people that like the cat girl stuff that Nathan watches. <laughs> why, why don't? Why can't you like both? No, it's one or the other, Nathan. Oh, that's a fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Should I tell you about some monster loves you? Yes, please do. While we're talking about anime. Yes. Monsters so... loving people is definitely a common theme in anime. Yeah. That Nathan watches. <laughs> so have you guys played this or heard about it i remember paul talking about it a bunch yes but i can't so, remember anything else about it yeah paul spoke about it a while ago and it sounded quite good but and the thing that i forget about paul is that paul is quite specific in his gaming you know he will play pokemon he likes his pokemon and he likes rpgs and a couple of fighting games and that's pretty much within his wheelhouse so a lot of things you know paul will play something and he'll think oh that's new and it's not really new it's just been around but it's new to paul and I, it's not a slight i can't paul believe you're calling out paul like this he's not even on the podcast to defend <laughs> yeah, himself I know, I know, what the man. fuck mate exactly exactly <laughs> but, so paul paul played this and it sounded you know, I thought, all right, okay, that's quite interesting. You, you know, it's basically text-based, and you've got a monster, and the choices you make. <laughs> no, nice try though. Oh. <laughs> uh, you are the monster. Oh, okay. And basically, you you make the choices that it grow. It starts off as you know a little baby monster enzyme thing, and it grows up. And you make choices, you put in situations and adventures, and you choose what to do. How do you handle it? Do you handle it with ferocity or bravery or kindness? Um, it's a choose-your-own-adventure book, is yeah, what it is. So and what I was trying to get to was that Paul never played any of those. <laughs> so that, that, that's why it was new and fresh to him. Um, and it was so... I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting when I, I picked it up. I know Paul really liked it, so it was, I was looking forward to playing it. And then I read the description and then bought it and played it, and I thought, well, this is better than what Paul said, because it was, if he just said it's like an old Choose Your Adventure book, I thought, right, cool. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's, that is it, really. You put in situations where uh, you, you grow up through various stages of your life. You go from... Um, the game that I'm playing right now, I'm an adult and you, you get a choice. You go on an adventure. You can either explore the land that you're in and it will give you a situation where choices you have will affect a certain personality trait. So, you know, if you're put in a situation where you can 
attack something, then your choices there will either increase or decrease your ferocity, one of your your traits. Mm -hmm. uh, then there is there's other other situations where you can interact with other monsters, and depending on again, depending on what you choose, will change your your personality traits. I'm not too sure what the end game is yet. Yeah, what your personalities do. Yeah, I don't know what happens at the end of the game. So I should, I, I probably should just finish it and then, you know, talk about it. But it's, yeah, it's it's indeed £9, £8.99, I think, for it on the store. Okay. It's, it's yeah, it it's not I, a bad price. I need to see the rest of it before I could say, you, you know, recommend it yeah. at that price. See, it was one of these games that was like thrown in with one of the humble bundles, and I just totally overlooked it. But that actually sounds really interesting. I think the other things I got in a, a humble bundle with, uh, I think I got in that big massive one they did that was like 25 quid <laughs> when it had like 30 games in it. So I picked it up, but it's like just because it was such a big batch of games, and I played games for a about 10 minutes each. I just I never got round to it, but I actually do really like games like uh, Choose Your Own Adventure. <laughs> In that sense there, I, just, I really like games. I, I really do like games. I don't give them the respect they deserve, though. I never complete them. They're not too hard. But <laughs> well, yeah, no, it, it, like it, it's got it has an appealing look to it as well. Uh, if it's the one I'm, I'm kind of thinking of, is the monster kind of like black or Yes, yeah. Um, so the the monsters tend to that you know, like kind of like childish drawings. They tend to look like um, just the the shape of your thumb, really. And then the thumb's got <laughs> eyes and horns on it and things like that. Little <laughs> little smiley mouth or mouths sometimes with teeth. Um, yeah, it's just quite a, a cute art style. So the adventure that I've done right now is you bump into a character and she tells you that she's overslept and there's something they do in the, the village that you're staying at the moment which is kind of a, a rabbit hunt and she's told you all about the, the hunt and why it's important for all the monsters and that she's overslept and then just at that point the, the boss, the person that's running the hunt shows up and uh, she's she comes up to me and she asks me if I've seen the person that I was just talking to. You know, have you seen her? Um, and so my choices are I can claim ignorance, I can say no comment, or I can tell her the truth that uh, this person overslept and fucked up her entire festival. And depending, so, that, you know, the, you can see little drawings of the monster in each of the choices, and by telling her that this character overslept, it looks like it's adding to my kind of mischief. And so it'd probably affect my my honesty. I'd probably take it down a little bit. Uh, there's the the ignorance. I'm not too sure that would do. Yeah. Um, and once you figure out all these little choices, then you can build the character that you've got. But Maybe check it out if you're interested. Have a look and see if the, there's Let's Plays going about. I think Paul got a very good deal on it on PC, if I remember correctly, a good yeah, couple of years ago when he picked it up. 
I think Paul backed it. It was one of those that you, you pay money at certain tier levels. And if I remember correctly, he paid it at a level where he would get all future versions of the game as well. So I think we should maybe say to him to have a look at that. Yeah. I don't right. I don't know, you know, it, it would probably have a limited lifespan. So yeah, it would probably. you know, it probably wouldn't stretch all these years later. But check. Yeah. Um we, cool. we should. Yeah. I will uh, I will play a, a full game and uh, then come back to the season and let you know what I think. Cool. I'm interested cool. to see what it does with the stats at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's what I'm more interested in seeing as well. So, Kieran, you also have been playing Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Yeah. This is a game that I put off buying for ages. Like, it came out on the Wii U, and then it came out on the Switch. Uh, mainly because I didn't like the levels from Mario 3D World that it's based on. Um, but then I picked up the demo of this when it came to Switch. And I actually quite liked it. So, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is a puzzle game, kind of. Like, it's a really light puzzle game, but it's a puzzle game where you play as Captain Toad and you go through a bunch of these uh, kind of, like, isometric levels and you can kind of flip the camera around and it kind of plays with these kind of camera angles quite a lot where, like, your camera will be, you know, is everything's kind of like these little dioramas basically that you're spinning around and so there's different paths and stuff that go into the you know the level that you won't be able to see unless you kind of flip it around the right way to see where you're going and there's like three hidden gems in each level and you want to get to a star at the end because it's a mario game and it's just really nice it's like really well made it's not super complicated like it's definitely a very simple game but it's able to kind of it's got these kind of really interesting levels for the most part and it's like the whole thing split into i think three books which is basically just three loads of 18 or so levels and i finished the first two of them um just because i got really into it and just sat and powered through a bunch of them and all of those levels, like again, none of them were super difficult, but they were all very entertaining and they were all very unique. Like it doesn't, it adds mechanics and stuff like that that it uses for one or two puzzles and then lets go. Like it doesn't stick with things for too long. It doesn't let things overstay their welcome. It's just like, hey, this is a mechanic you're going to use and then you're not going to use it. That's it. Like, don't worry about it too much. Um. But yeah, I, I really like it. I'm definitely going to finish it. It's, it doesn't have much in the way of story, because again, it's basically a Mario game, or you know, the same team, the same world. Definitely using like the 3D world engine, and the plot is literally just Toad and Toadette are out trying to gather treasure, because they're treasure trackers, and a giant bird picks up Toadette and flies away. And it's like, great! That's a plot, almost, I guess. <laughs> I've done, like, six levels of that game, and I've already forgotten the plot. Yep. Well, that's, that's it. You're caught up now. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those that's... I haven't had much of a... You know, any draw to, to yeah. play it or check it out, so... 
I bought it just like entirely on a whim. Like I, I didn't have a good reason for it. I was just like, I'm gonna right. buy a thing and then bought it. Um, it's, it's got a nice visual style and it's it's kind of like very relaxing. Like I don't imagine it gets in intense. Like you know, like a. I think my favorite thing is when you have to just the, the little hide and seek with the pixel toad. Yeah, that's that's actually the most intense part of it. Because those yeah. are fucking hard. That's the one bit <laughs> of the game that's actually hard. Is these like, ah, you can find this pixel toad, and it's just this little sprite, and it's just somewhere on the level. It's just like playing. It's where's Wally? If instead of a crowd to hide in, it was a three D Mario level, <laughs> and this <laughs> tiny sprite is hidden somewhere on it, and it's hard, especially some of the layer levels, because there's just so much stuff in those levels like they you know they get complex like not in terms of like difficulty but in terms of just you know the amount of stuff that is on them uh so yeah when you're trying to find this tiny little 2d sprite it gets very difficult but those are also optional so i kind of eventually just give up on them because i'm terrible at them um but i probably will go back into them because yeah they're not they're not stressful they're just you know time consuming because you just flipping around this diorama because the other thing is you don't have to for those ones you don't actually have to move through the level really except for occasionally he'll be hidden on things that move and so require you to go through the level to actually like you know move the thing that he's hidden under or something like that but for the first few at least you can kind of just spin the level around and ignore toad entirely and just try and find the spray which is pretty entertaining yeah. in its own it's all right. I don't, yeah, I, I don't think I've found anywhere I've had to like move anything. Yeah, I think the most involved one I've had to do is, well, you probably won't remember it because it really levels like this. But there's a load of platforms that you have to move by clicking them. Yeah, I think he was like hidden on the wall behind one of them. Yeah, like, but then so that I one I did find one where you had to move it. I'm not talking about, but yeah, yeah it wasn't like intense or anything. But yeah, it's very, <laughs> very where's Wally except if. In Where's Wally, you had to move like <laughs> parts of the the picture out of the way to, <laughs> to find where he was hiding. Yeah, if Where's Wally was three D. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's not, again, it's not a super complicated game, but I've been like each of the levels has three gems to find as well as the star, and then also there's like always one kind of bonus objective which changes per level. So some of them are collect 75 coins while doing the level. Some of them are like kill every enemy or do this or do that. So they're all relatively simple, but they don't show up the first time you play it. So it's kind of a good kind of encouragement to replay the level to, you know, like I've replayed, every, I've not been focusing too much on the bonus objectives. If I get it, then fine. But if I don't, I don't really care too much. I'll probably go back to it. But I've been replaying levels over and over to get the gems every time. So... I'm on the second level of book three now, and I have every gem in every level that I've went through so far. <laughs> um, the, the gems usually aren't too hard to find. They're usually just like hidden in a place that you can't see by default with the camera, or uh, like sometimes there'll be in plants that you could pull out of the ground, or an enemy will be holding it and you have to kill the enemy. Um, 
but yeah, it's like not super complicated. It's just charming and yeah, it's nice. It's nice is such a terrible descriptor for things. But I think if any game ever fit the descriptor of nice, <laughs> it, would, it would be this one. Yeah, nice. It's literally the word that comes to mind. It's like, it's not difficult. Uh, well, I, I haven't got there, but it's like, it, it's it's not like uh, intense. It's just like, I could imagine you could sit with a, a kid and try to play through it. There's there's, there's nothing. Yeah. It's just delightful. Delightful is the word I'd use. It's just... Yeah, I don't. Yeah. yeah, I think it definitely would be very good for kids. Yeah. Um, like it, it never seems like again. Like I seem to be pretty far into it, like pretty far towards the end. So it doesn't seem like it ever gets like super difficult in any way. So yeah, definitely one that'd be good for kids, but it's also just fun in general. So yeah, fair enough. Should we talk about Forza now? Yes, it's all right. <laughs> I was a transit man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, what? You were a teenage transit van. Yeah, that's pretty much. I was a transit van. That's my <laughs> almost my entire Forza experience. A oh. teenage transit van. <laughs> no, a Ford transit van. But um, I, I, I suppose it's maybe teeny compared to some of the cars in the game. That should be quite large. No, and, I said a teenage, not a teeny. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, I guess if we're going by my mental age, definitely. <laughs> right so uh how much has everyone played of forza horizon 4 i think i've played the least because i've not unlocked winter yet i've played right. the second least <laughs> I've unlocked winter right and i um finished. i've finished all the seasons and i'm now into the kind of the the live thing is it Where, is it like apocalypse? Because you finish the seasons, there's just nothing but desolate wasteland. No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> so basically, you guys are still to to try and put it into perspective. You're still in the tutorial yeah. mode. Very much. Yeah. So you it basically sets you a target of each of the the seasons, and you once you get that certain amount of respect, so it's now. Respect. Is it respect? I think it's influence, isn't it? Influence, yeah, yes. Influence. Yeah, it's influence instead of fans uh, from Forza Horizon 3. So once you get that influence, it you can, I think you get to take part in one of the showcase events and then one, you can then move on to the next season. Once you finish the, I'm trying to think. Once you finish spring, yeah, once you finish spring, that's it. It starts over again, but it then puts you in the the live world where think of it as a better version of the crew. That's not hard. Yeah. <laughs> so hard you... to be a worse version of the crew. Yeah. But I've not played the crew too yet, so, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that. I've not played that one as well, but. I don't think it did it get that good I don't think it got I don't think it got really bad reviews, but I don't think it got Yeah, I don't think really, it, I don't think it got slated like the first one did, but I don't yeah. think it was good. Yeah. 
But yes, you you then get given you know this whole map, and they keep adding things that they keep adding events all the time. But these seasons now change on a weekly basis. They last for seven days. Mm-hmm. And that's a week real time. That's not. Yes. Not like an yeah. in-game week. No. So they they change every week, and yeah, it's quite cool. I'm I'm enjoying it. the The game looks stunning. You have to admit. Yeah, it is a very very good looking game. Oh, so, uh, this time it is set in the UK. There's a uh, various parts of the UK that kind of it's a, a weird mishmash of everything all squished into one little bit, much like they did with uh, Europe in two and Australia in three. Uh, only one city this time so far. The map in general feels. I don't know if it is because I've not seen measured or anything, but it feels a lot smaller than the last one. I think it, yeah, it feels that way. It definitely feels that way. It definitely feels a lot smaller than. I mean, you would expect Australia to feel a lot smaller than what is essentially part of Scotland and Northern England, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you can drive from one end to the other pretty quickly. It's Easy, not, yeah. I'm. I don't know whether the map extends from this. I. I how, how did they, in in free? Um, how did the the expansion packs work? Because one was a mountain, wasn't it? Did you drive to it or it teleported uh, you to a different place? Yeah, because uh, Australians have teleportation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, so for the mountain one, you got flown to this mountain range, and the Hot Wheels one, you got teleported to Hot Wheels land. They didn't really overthink yeah. that one too much because it was Hot Wheels, so they were like, ah, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I'm trying to think. Was it 2? Yeah, it was Forza Horizon 2 where you you got a ferry to a little island. Yeah. And that's where they had the, the kind of rally and off-road stuff. That sounds right. Yeah. But the both games had these, uh, you know, they had various um, event sites, you know, the, the Forza Horizon festival sites. Yeah. And that's how, that's how the map extended, because they said, we've just opened up another Horizon festival site, and it extended the map. With this one so far, there is only one festival site. Yeah. And it didn't really extend but, the map, but you could drive up there before there just wasn't races there. No. I really, you could. I'm pretty sure you could. No. I thought that at one point the map would lock. It wouldn't let you go any further. Mm-hmm. And it would kind of... Yeah. I'd... At the very least, it doesn't look on this map like it has anywhere to extend. Like, if you look... Yes. If you look at yeah. basically the, the northern part of Scotland, it's just a giant mountain that they've put there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there doesn't seem to be anywhere. I don't know. I don't know whether they're going to change the map or I have no idea. So, yeah, I've got to... um, One of the things that each of the events do is you now unlock various levels of the different events. You know, so there's the road racing one, 
there's the off-road little types of different events and things. I have got to level eight in a couple of them, and it says once wait wait till you see what we're doing on the next level. There's a there's a special event. So I don't know whether once you do enough of those events, it's going to open up because the map is looking pretty crowded at the moment. Yeah, uh, the, it, I think it, it's just a smaller map because I think they're just focusing more on this kind of seasons thing that will change the map as you play. Yeah. Which, um, I don't know. I've, I've not got far enough to really see the seasons in effect, but it so far is not. Like I am liking the game a lot. But it feels at the moment to me basically like it's more Forza Horizon Three. Like it doesn't feel like this massive shift, this massive sequel. It just feels like we made Forza Horizon Three again on a smaller map, and it snows sometimes. <laughs> no, I, I think you need to play more of it. Yeah. What, uh, you know, the, there's a couple of the showcase events that are really good. Uh, but the showcase events aren't even races they're just they're just spectacles they're yes yeah ah. i mean as as probably the person who's played the least forza here i mean i picked up horizon 3 but only because i repurchased an xbox about a year ago now right um i think this is the first forza uh, that i've been in not the hype train but kind of like when it was actually buzzing and i've found it really fun so i don't kind of have that fatigue that kieran might have with it um and it's been it's been it's been fun to play it's it's only it's funny enough it's the only game that has managed to actually scare me this um yeah and i played resident evil 7 as well <laughs> because i wasn't aware of this but when you start it up it seems to pick your name from what i guess what your system i don't, I don't know how it picked it up but so you know when you start the game and it just goes, "Hello," like this. The, one of the characters is like, "Hello, Nathan." I'm like, "Fuck!" Huh? And I wasn't <laughs> like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't expect that because I was expecting you know like to pick your name and then like they immediately say, "Hello, blah," and then they immediately go into like a character select screen. So I was kind of like, I was half paying attention. I was like, "Did, did that just happen?" And then, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it picked <laughs> yeah. up my name as well, which is funny because I made the female character on it so it's just constantly yeah. like ah kieran and it's like wait a minute yeah uh mine's the same as well so i've got the the female character and it says goody mate cause... <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was just a bit trippy i was just like i'll try to work out where it got it from but it must be like from obviously a microsoft account but it's just yeah just it, that genuinely made me jump because i was just like because it, it's, it's quite a a kind of like you kind of drive it. It just makes you drive through the seasons. It's like you get to this place, and I was just like, "Okay, when's the next race?" This is like, "Hello, Nathan." I was like, "Oh, fuck!" <laughs> and it seems to be mixed a lot louder than the audio as well. So just like I literally just shut up. I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Um, but as I, as I as I jokingly said earlier, um, my favorite experience in this game has been as a transit van. That's not a joke. I bought a transit van. I definitely right. did it with the Pornhub logo, but I changed it. <laughs> but it, it's the Pornhub logo, but it actually says Barnhub, which I think is even better. So I'm an all black transit van with the Barnhub logo, and I spent 150,000 of my credits, which I don't have much on, to tune it up to S1. 
Yep. So now I've got a I've got a transit fan that reaches nearly <laughs> two hundred miles per hour and handles like a transit fan. So it's fucking great. Yeah, I did the same oh. thing with the Reliant Robin. I got it, bumped it up to S one, and then instantly <laughs> drove it out and tumbled it because I couldn't turn any corners because it's a Reliant Robin, <laughs> and it only has three wheels. There's but also. My favorite part of all of the Forza games, and it's the same in this one, is definitely like the amount of crazy decals that people make for cars. Oh uh, yeah! And I think just because it's such a fucking stupid car, the Reliant Robin has a lot of decals for it. Even though the game's <laughs> not been out that long, so there's definitely a lot of just like searching through it, and it's like, ah, this is you know. Of course, there's like nine of the fucking only fools and horses ones because of course there is. Um, yeah. And there's a couple that just say Top Gear on it because Top Gear rolled a fucking you know, Reliant Robin a bunch. But yeah. then there's also, I, the one I'm driving is bright pink and has Kirby on it. I'm pretty happy with that. Like, someone put the effort into making this pretty detailed Kirby version of the Reliant Robin. <laughs> um, there's also like a really detailed one that just has M&Ms on it. Like, the M&M characters on it. And, <laughs> like, I don't know why. Well, they good. can still they can still earn in-game currency for you know for selling the a car with these designs on them. Yeah, well they definitely got some currency from me. I can say that much. <laughs> I so I, I was a bit disappointed because I tried to do a dirt race and I thought I'd be able to take my souped up transit van into it. But um apparently it doesn't qualify as a rally car and I'm not sure how to tell which races I can take my ultra oh, right. transit van into. You could probably tune it. No, what you Get can some do is... tune it for it. <laughs> so in the tutorial mode it will it wants you to pick different styles of cars to have you know to, to at least experience them. Once it opens up, so once you've un, you know went through all the seasons and you get into the, the, the game proper you can go to any event with any car and it will tailor that event to your car. So you, all your opponents will be the same style of car. So if you want to do... If you want to do... <laughs> yeah. If you, well, whatever class it is, you know, it's probably... I don't know. I think it's all... Tra- I don't know if it is all transit vans. I've not bought the transit vans. I don't know what class it's in. Well, it but seems like if, you're not playing it properly. Yeah. Yeah, so if you wanted to take uh, a Lamborghini on the off-road course uh, or the the cross-country races, then you could do that and all the other cars would be modern supercars. That's cool. So, yeah, later on you have the the freedom. You can basically play through the game with just one car if you wish. Yeah. I would hope Um, that because... I think you'll find it's one van. Um... (laughs) Sorry, yeah, one van. One van. (laughs) I hope that just because Nathan souped it up, it doesn't pull in like the class. It just pulls in the tier, and so it's just Nathan, this fucking transit van driving against S, like <laughs> all the cars that are naturally S one cars. Oh just, yeah, I, yeah. I just want my car against like a Conan seg and like it's just <laughs> <laughs> fucking supercars. It's just my transit van bombing past them. Um, yeah, so I got into the race, and then it told me. Uh, Pick a car, and I only the only cars I had at this point was the Audi, the beginning Audi, and the um, the Ford Cosworth, the white Cosworth. Oh yeah. So of course I bought a Subaru Impreza, 
and then yes. immediately gave it a Skeletor decal. Yeah, of course. Why. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so I just got this garish car that says Skeletor. And then right. I was like, I've played 20 minutes of this game. I like it. So then I bought the Ultimate Pass. So... Of course. <laughs> right. So now I've got an Aston Martin that's two-tone purple and red. It's the most hideous thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was going to be my next question. Is anyone that bought any of the versions that come with a VIP pass or anything like that? No. I bought everything. Yeah, so uh, I did I did that as well. So I ended up with the game <laughs> four days before it came out. I, I, no, I, see, I bought it off Game Pass. I didn't yeah, I, I didn't even pay for the game. <laughs> I yeah. got on Game Pass. Right. I've I've basically rented a game that I paid forty pounds. Well, I I yeah. didn't pay forty pounds. I kind of uh I feel a bit weird buying DLC for a I... game that I don't technically own. Yeah, so how does that work then? So you own the DLC and it works. Yeah, because you right. cause you, you technically own a license to the game. Um so yeah. as I understand it's thirty five pounds if you bought it like a normal person. Um yeah. Whereas it's normally forty pounds without, so they actually give right. you a discount. So essentially, what they're doing, like what they do is, they want you to buy the ultimate pass, like I did, and they want you to continue to subscribe to Game Pass. Yeah. Right. Okay. So if you at one point you unsubscribe to Game Pass, then you will own the ultimate pass to this game, but you won't be able to use it because you don't own the game. Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Same yeah. as if you like rented the game from Boomerang, but. And, and then bought all the deals on it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So uh... they... Yeah, but I mean, if if it gets to the point where, like, you know, I get to the point where, like, I've, because as you know, I, I do sh- stupid, stupid things to like bulk no. buy things. So I've bought like a year and a half of games no. already. I d- I don't know if you guys are aware, but I do a lot of stupid things to buy things. <laughs> no. So I yeah I I. Uh... So basically, uh, I bought a year and a half of Game Pass. So I've at least got the game for another sixteen months, and uh, right. I I should have paid uh, forty pounds for the Game Pass, but uh, for the Ultimate Pass, but I bought it from Turkey, so it was nineteen quid. <laughs> and right. just just a shout out to all the people who bought all the goddamn Turkish cards. You're monsters. Do you only all buy them. digital games from countries that currently have dictators? Look, someone has to prop them up. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I, I, if a country has sanctions, I thank them because their games are really cheap, man. You know, <laughs> if I could buy games from Argentina, I would, but Microsoft got really wise to that, so they they do a, a bin check on cards now. Really? You can't buy gift cards to Argentina. Um, yeah, I mean, we could turn this podcast into a sad story about. You know how it's getting really hard to to manipulate the economy to buy cheap games from where you want to get them. <laughs> but I think fours are slightly more interesting than that. Yeah, slightly. I, slightly. It is an interesting thing, though. But for anyone who who wants to hear that, I'll be setting up my own podcast until Microsoft take me out. <laughs> they will literally take you out. That's the thing. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, like I'm yeah so. Effectively, I've I've paid about twenty quid for a game I don't technically own, but yes, I'm, and I guess I paid for the the game pass. But like, I think like I think the way Microsoft see it is like 
I, I suppose psychologically you haven't paid for the game, although you have because you're paying for the, the yeah. package. And then you buy this DLC, and by the time you tire of the game, uh-huh. you know, if you really want to get the game at that point, like the, the disc version will be really cheap at that point. So I suppose you could do that if you want. And and by, by that merit, by that point, you've only paid as much as how the game would be at retail, so they still get some of that money back. Yeah, And I think that's what they're kind of leaning into from now on. I imagine that's their, yeah. their kind of their tactic going forward. But yeah, like I'm really, I'm really enjoying the game. Um, like as I said, obviously I'm, I'm probably the least fatigued on it. Although you're probably the most passionate about it, because I, yeah. this is my first full thoughts, and I'm, I'm liking it. Uh, I liked driving up to my workplace and seeing that it looks completely different. That was yeah. fun. But there is a building yeah. there, which is actually more than I expected, because there are large. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's probably worth knowing. Me and Nathan both live in work in Edinburgh, like so. Having the city there is kind of cool. Um, yeah, and their rendition of Edinburgh is like weirdly accurate in a lot of in places. In some places, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the it's weird. Like I, we, I go for walks most lunchtimes, and the <laughs> the whole route that you know I walk up is all there, pretty much. Like it's not completely accurate, but it's really close. Um, yeah. So like all of Princess Street is pretty much dead on. They changed yeah. Princess Street Gardens to like expand it out a bit. Like they basically cut out. There's a big church and like a bunch of other stuff down towards like the kind of the end of Princess Street that they've just made into more gardens. Like they took out a graveyard and replaced it with more gardens, which is yes, a yeah. pretty fair decision, I suppose. Um, and there's also just like a bunch of roads that don't connect up the way that they connect up there, like which is kind of only confusing if you know. You've wandered around Edinburgh enough that you're like, uh, this should go here. Fuck, why am I here now? This doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, but things like the, yeah, Princess Street's pretty dead on. Um, the grass market is weirdly accurate. Like, I didn't yeah. expect them really to put the grass market in at all. Right. Um, the grass market's there, which is why me and Nathan's work is there, because we're kind of on the corner between, like, grass market and other places and that's right. not quite where that building actually is in the game yeah because they changed it a bit. they changed how grass market connects to princess street because there's usually like you know there's like two or three blocks of buildings there in real life and instead it's just a corner <laughs> so it just goes to princess street so like you're there now enjoy <laughs> um what i also like about that is that to not give anything away like a blood kind of blood types at this point but the building we work in is ugly as sin and they've made it look so much better i feel like i feel like edinburgh city council contacted them and it's like look you can't put this building they've like replaced it with a really nice kind of um kind of like gothic looking music store apparently that's where we yeah. work yeah. yeah that'd be much nicer um, but but they've actually taken the what they, I think they've actually done they've compressed the the music store that's like kind of two streets down yeah and it's like this looks much better and I was like I agree with you <laughs> this looks much better so um the developers uh, uh playground uh they are British and some of the guys are Scottish as well aren't they I think so yeah yeah the, I'm not too sure where they're based though but I remember seeing uh, one of the, the kind of hype videos for it 
and the guys talking about it had intimate knowledge of Edinburgh. I think, you know, they'd been there. Uh, some of the guys on the team are Scottish. So, uh, and I think, you know, they have spent a lot of time with all the other places in the, the maps as well. Yeah. But it is it's a very good looking game. Yeah, it's really good looking. And again, like that version of Edinburgh is, you know, eerily accurate. There's stuff in there that you wouldn't really kind of expect to be there. Um, but then also the they obviously go out of their way to put landmarks in because that makes sense. That makes it yes. more recognizable. So Princess Street in general, you know, the train stations there. Um, yeah. Although like uh, Haymarket is entirely gone, that kind of thing. Um, is Haymarket gone? I'm pretty sure Haymarket's not in it. It doesn't go down uh, that far. I'm pretty sure it just ends and you're uh, just in countryside. Does it have Waverley? I think it does. Though. Yeah, it has Waverley. Yes. Um, yeah, Waverley's there, yeah, because I, I I drove, I tried to get into the station and reenact. <laughs> yeah, all of that section, you can see the ramp that they somehow managed to land a jet in in Avengers because yes, yeah. camera can make that look bigger than it is. Um, you can drive up all those roads. Uh, but the thing that like struck out for me is like they've got all these landmarks in there. There's like, you know, the train station, there's Scott Monument, there's you know the the National Gallery and there's all that stuff, but they have the corner that like Greyfriars Bobby would be on, and it's not there, <laughs> and it's like you put this corner here. There's not really any good reason for this corner to be in the game in general. Like it's not, it's uh-huh. not, it's not really iconic except for the bit where Greyfriars Bobby is there and it connects down into Grass Market. And it's just weird that they like went through detail of making this really like realistic version of this part of the city, and are just like, let's leave this landmark out. This landmark's gone <laughs> too far. We can't do that. Yeah. Um, but in general, uh-huh. it's it's quite cool to drive around it because it is. Yeah, it's, it's it must be how, you know, people who live in New York felt playing like the division. Yeah. Um. And I wonder how accurate, uh, you know, Forza 2 and Forza 3 were as well. Yeah, I wonder. Because I don't think... I feel like they didn't go out of their way for those ones to talk about yeah. accuracy. Whereas this one, they specifically were like, look, it's yes. Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, you didn't hear... It It wasn't one of the things that it's scarily accurate. You didn't hear that about the other games, but you <laughs> are... Fair, I, don't think, I don't think many... Games describe their stuff as scarily anything. <laughs> yeah, <horror> no. games. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I'm liking uh, it a lot. I will yeah. be playing a hell of a lot more of it. Yeah, same. I uninstalled Forza Horizon 3. This is my Forza game now. <laughs> and you know what? Good. You know what? It hasn't reset my graphic settings on PC when I rebooted my PC. Which means it's instantly better than Horizon Three, because Horizon oh, Three right. on PC was broken mess that did that all the time. Right. Although cool. I I tried testing it with its graphic settings and it it went a bit ski with for me, but it runs it actually runs pretty well. I I never had a chance to run free, but yeah, yeah. It's um, a nice game. I actually think it runs a bit better than Three did on PC. Um. Three, I kind of ran everything on medium sentence to get about 60 frames a second at 1080p on my PC. This one, uh-huh. most of the things are set to high. There's a couple of things that are set to medium, but it's mainly because I set the anti-aliasing higher because it 
if you've if you've done anything you're listening below two times, it shimmers a lot. Like there's a right. lot of aliasing in it. So I bumped up another one and turned other things down to, you know, have that have it look smoother even if it's not as detailed. Um, I think that's definitely a trade that I'm willing to make with games is, you know, make mm. everything look crisp. Doesn't necessarily need to be detailed, but don't make it all shimmery. Right. Do you do you know if it runs locked um, sixty or thirty on PC? Because when I when I did the benchmark, it locked me to sixty. But uh, I don't you can, know if that you can change it um, in the options. It ah, defaults okay. to sixty, but you can set it to unlocked, or you can set it to locked thirty. Yeah, I, I was just wondering because obviously I, I reset my PC and I haven't I haven't set up like Revertude or anything yet. So I don't know if it was just like. Uh, I guess you'll want it at 60. Here we go. And then, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it, was, it, was, yeah, it runs, runs really well. Um, and I'm looking forward to playing a bit more. I have to get some races on review as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the, the whole team stuff is a lot of fun. Uh, I've been doing some of the events and things. Uh, one, you know, because I've unlocked and I'm kind of in the, the persistent world now. So, yeah, you, I think you guys will enjoy it a lot more in terms of the, the games and things when you get to that point as well. You'll see yeah. what it has got to offer. Yeah, I think the, I think the issue that I've been pissing around with my friends, but they're a bit further on. Like, they were in winter and I was in autumn. And then they could join my convoy, but I couldn't do the same. Yes, they had yeah. Missions that they had missions that are like, "Hey, it's here in the world," and I'm like, "What? Where? Where is it? What are you talking about?" <laughs> Nothing there. Yeah, the empty wastelands of England. And then, it, yeah, it it was weird because they went into a race, but then I couldn't do any missions because although <laughs> they were in a separate session, it was like, "You can't, you can't do this mission while in a convoy." I was like, "But I'm by myself," and like the game lets you have convoys across sessions, That's which is bizarre. a bit bizarre. <laughs> it doesn't feel like that's how that's meant to work. Yeah, I'm not sure. If that... It's like they they were they were like just sliding around in Robin Reliance in winter, and I was just like in my transit van up up by Glenfian and Viaduct, and I was just like, ah, oh, I drove all the way up here for a mission that doesn't exist in my game. <laughs> Some, somebody hired a man in a van, and I could find them. <laughs> yeah. And also, I'm annoyed because I didn't know that you had to mash the fast travel boards. Oh, oh right, yeah. okay. Yeah, so I was yeah. Just like, I got all the way out there, and I was like, "Oh, how the fuck do I get back now?" Because it's like you can pay money for fast travel. Yeah, uh, I was able to go back, but I had to go back to the Horizon um, site. I yeah. think that's the only place you don't have to pay to. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I spent most of my money sleeping on my goddamn transit. I wasn't spending ten grand to fast travel anyway. Yeah. So, has <laughs> anyone has anyone bought any of the the buildings? No, uh, just just the one the tutorial makes you do. Oh, okay. I think um, VIP get the get the house free up the like at the top, but I've never been to it. Right. So VIP boss, here's your house. I was like, what's a house? What do you do with it? Like, the first one that you get when it's like, 
Hey, here's a house. We did the stunt thing here, but they don't know what to do with this house. I guess your house now. I'm yeah, like, that's okay. the one I've got. Yeah. It's just this tutorial thing. It's like, oh, here's a house. But yeah, like, because I bought the pass, I just went off straight after that. It's like, I see you got a VIP pass. Enjoy this giant house. And it's like, well, what do I do with this house? Like, you enjoy. Change your like, clothes. Oh, is it? Yeah, uh, buying them gives you bonuses and benefits later on. So there'll be, you know, you earn double credits for doing this, or you get free bonus spins and things like that. Okay. I yeah. don't like. I feel like I, I'm coming off as a negative person on this, even though I actually really, really like this game. But I don't <laughs> like the change to fill the. To fill the fucking spin wheels with garbage. I hate it. I hate it so well, much. Oh, the kind of the, the clothes and the. the yeah, it's the like, I... hey, hey, you can unlock these clothes for this character that's going to be in a car the whole time, but they show up next to your car in the fucking like loading screen going into a race and the victory thing at the end of a race. It's like, that's a bit of a stretch, but sure. And then the other one, it's like, oh, you get these horns. So the first three spins I did were all fucking novelty horns. And even the fucking narrator in the game, like, goes, ah, yeah, we really shouldn't put all these novelty horns in the wheels. And it's like, yeah, you fucking shouldn't. <laughs> you can't make a joke about it. You still did it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's grim. I like I got my spins and I got like uh I got all the really shitty cars and I'm like these cars are trash. I can't wait to spend all my credits <laughs> on tuning these up to S. Oh, I, got, uh, I think I got uh, it was like a hatchback, a really old one, and I got yeah. a 1997 Type R. I was like, yes, yeah. all these rude boy cars. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like I did also get a couple of cars. Like I got. A couple of like you were saying, kind of not great cars, and then I also got a Ferrari from one of the the super wheel spins. Right, but then I also got a bunch of fucking novelty horns that I'm just probably never even going to bother equipping because it's so stupid. I know it is stupid, but I quite like it. I one of the yeah. horns I got was the Sea of Thieves thing. That's pretty good. Okay, uh, it, I guess. Yeah, it's but. None of it's them dumb, are gonna. None of them are going to be the Trackmania horn, and that's the only one I need. <laughs> Trackmania horn is just iconic in car horns for me, and I'm sure right. that the thousands of other people who agree with me one aren't listening to this podcast because they're all French, and two agree with me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I the the kind of when I seen seen it and they had this you know this avatar and you can equip it with poses. It's essentially they've went shit. Let's take the the whole Fortnite thing. Yeah, you know, and we'll we'll duplicate that somehow. And yeah, it's like right, okay, you know, this the this is the zeitgeist at the moment. It's the popular thing. Yeah, go for it. But it's not. I've still got my my game. Yeah, so. and to be fair, they seem to give you enough credits going through that you can just buy whatever cars you want anyway. Yeah, I've I think I've only bought one car. I seem to I get quite a lot of cars from the bonus spins. Yeah. Again, I'm gonna keep saying it so you keep playing and you'll get more spins and things like yeah, that. That that is our thing. They do seem to hand out spins like fucking nothing. 
It's like, hey, by yeah. the way, here's four spins. It's like, oh, well, two of them were horns. It's like, eh, who cares? One of them was a car. Yeah. I just think it's dumb. <laughs> it should be giving me experience like it did in the last game. Or more right. Money. I don't care that much. I just think it's silly. And You're just having a moan. I'm just having a moan because, you know, it's Forza. It could be better. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it though. Yeah, same. Yeah. It's, it's a really good game. And I'm looking forward to jumping into some of the multiplayer stuff. Because it's that thing where it's on Xbox or PC with Xbox Live. And given I have like five friends on my friend list on Xbox Live and only three of them play Forza, pretty much every race I go into, it's just like, ah, we pre-populated this with names and driver towers of people from your, you know, your list so you're yes. racing against nathan who crashes into a wall in the first turn and then never comes back and you're that, racing against pretty... mike who's right at the start for the most part <laughs> that's that's pretty accurate to how i actually play <laughs> driver tars are you know they're pretty good i yeah. didn't i didn't realize that the driver like informed you if you're going too far so i was just like oh it's red so i guess i got a handbrake turn right and then i smash into a wall every time <laughs> You know you can rewind <laughs> as well, right? Nah, man. I turned that off. God. <laughs> never, never go back. <laughs> uh, I turned a bunch of the uh, difficulty stuff up, basically. Because um, it did that thing where after a few races, it was like, hey, you're doing pretty well. Do you want to race against yes. harder driver tars? And I was like, yeah, fine, why not? Uh, but also at the same time, I went into the settings and was like, I don't need, you know, I want simulation handling, not arcade handling. Because, <laughs> which actually, I mainly did that because it was, I don't know if it was just my PC or what, but there was something, something about the full handling of the game like felt weird to me. I think just, maybe just I've been playing a bunch of GT Sport recently. And I was like, all, all right, right fucking okay. bump it onto simulation. That feels a lot better. Turn off some of the other like assist things basically and it's like ah oh, you're going to get an extra 50% bonus stuff every race and it's like that's great it's going to be hard now though right and it's like yeah and also we already bumped up that difficulty have fun and I came in fifth and I was like well fuck whoops <laughs> <laughs> I may have overcorrected here um, but it's good because it means I I'm not coming in first every single race Yes, like yeah. I'm coming in second or third in some races, which is, you know, good. It's adding actual some difficulty to the game, which. Yeah, I I, th I think I'm now at the point where I've got the highly skilled avatars, and I'm beating them more times than not, and I'm waiting on it bumping them up. And I yeah. think the next, I think the next one is I don't know what it calls it, but I think there's two left. Uh, and the, the the highest end of the avatars are unbeatable. It, but I don't know whether they are actually unbeatable. But find out. Yeah, yeah I've mine are uh, above average. I think is what they call the tier I'm at just now. Because right, the one above the default. Right. But yeah, it's it's good. I'm enjoying it. Those races are good. And yes. I'm, I look forward to seeing how the season stuff changes things. Um. I yeah, the map seems smaller, but I guess if the season stuff changes it up, you know, as much as they claim it does, then that's you know makes up for it in some way. Yeah, 
Uh, there's plenty to do. There is, yeah. you know, even without trying the same race in a different season, there is shitloads to do. Fair. Uh, so, yeah, but let's see, you know, let's play, play it a little bit more and see how we get on. But, yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing how it gets on. Cool. Excellent. Do we have any more video games to talk about? I think that's all of them. Unless we're doing our Spider-Man check-in. Uh, Spider-Man check-in? No, I think I'm 97%. I haven't really... 100%, baby! Yeah, you did. You finished. I didn't get the platinum, though, because a bunch of those are like, do this thing. Like... Do this very specific combo in the air and stuff like that, and so I just didn't bother doing them. Uh, right. But I did the hundred percent map completion. I got the special costume you get. It was right. it was what I predicted on the podcast the yes, last yeah. episode. So what about um have you unlocked all the costumes? Yes. Alright, oh, so you actually went back and done some of the challenges yeah. to get or I got yeah. enough of the challenge tokens from hundred percenting it. Oh, great. Get all of them. Hmm? Right. Now, now I know that there's you've sport this game for me. Now that I know there's costumes. There's costumes. <laughs> there's a lot of costumes. Uh but I put all of my challenge tokens into costumes so now I don't have all the upgrades for the gadgets because I can't afford them. <laughs> um, but I have all the costumes. And I still just use the homecoming one. So I like I like this game. I'm just like maybe I just can't get into it. It's probably because I keep playing Yakuza instead. But... Yeah, Yakuza is also very good. It is. I booted up Yakuza at the weekend and played it for about two and a half hours. But all I played was the Cabaret Club minigame. So you played Yakuza? I played Yakuza. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're enjoying Spider-Man. It's just like, maybe I've just been, maybe it's my, my natural rebellious um, nature, but it just the the beginning of that story strikes me as really odd, and maybe it comes into play later in that game. But it's just like I don't, I don't, I don't remember Peter Parker being such a goddamn knock in the comics. Or is it just me? <laughs> he's definitely a bit fashy. Yeah, he's, he's like, <laughs> I was like, what's going on? He literally here? works for the police a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. And he's in New York, so yeah. I'm surprised like... that some of the side missions aren't. It's a black person wandering in a neighborhood he shouldn't be. You should probably go and <laughs> deal with that. I'm trying to stand his ground. <laughs> I was, it's because it's like I was like I, you guys are like 97 and 100 percent respectively. I'm like probably five percent. I've done I've done up to the part where you kind of. Uh, Otto Octavius is kind of like Peter Parker. You helped Spider Man with his suits, and then I did like the first construction yard, so I'm like nowhere in that game. Yeah, that's right. It's like I was doing some of the crimes, he's just like, Man, drug dealing that's the crime I hate the most. And I'm like, All right, it's like, Really? <laughs> that's the crime you hate the most? Yeah, he's like, He's like, Drug dealing. Oh, I hate, I can't think of any crime I think's any worse. I was like, Peter Knock. Peter Knock, yes. mate. 
It's just like what's what's going on? So it's like and like the whole the whole beginning of that game is like, yeah, let's put up these surveillance towers, okay? And I'm just like, what the fuck? What, what? Like, does this? I, I'm trying not to spoil it for myself, but does that kind of play into the story? No, not at all. Oh man, that is such a weird sideline. This is like the thing that does like play into the story with it is that. J. John Jameson has his podcast, like his Alex Jones style podcast. Yeah. And he's, you know, most of the time going off on crazy conspiracy theories. Yeah. And then a few times he's like saying things that's like, and Spider Man's helping the police put up these surveillance towers. Probably fucked up that they're spying on us like that. And it's like, yeah, you're actually right on that one. Yeah. <laughs> actually, you know, you're not wrong. Um, yeah. And then he'll go off on some tangent and be like, I think Spider-Man is like, doing all this crazy shit and he's bringing the crime. And it's like, no, not that bit. It's like, because I know he's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and I know he's kind of like, you know, he's cop-friendly and Spider-Man's kind of like an idealized version of <laughs> Yes, the cops, the cops in New York are good people in Spider-Man. Yeah, but it just seems really weird that like in this political climate, and like with all the things that are going on in America, the first the first message that game presents to you is surveillance is good. It's like they've tried to do the Dark Knight, but with none of the kind of like repercussions <laughs> of it. Yeah, Whereas, without like, Morgan Freeman there saying, "This is fucked." What you're doing here, by the way, Batman. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, yeah, because the, the cops are like, it's like, yeah, you know, it's a spy tower. It's kind of on the fritz. And what'd you do there? It's like, I fixed it. And I also made it do some other stuff that it shouldn't do. I also it's made like, it yeah, find it's... some kids' backpacks. It's like, ah, I don't know about that one, Spidey. I know technically they're yours, but... Mm. Yeah, like, <laughs> the, the, the whole, like... The beginning of that story is really weird, but I'm, like, I, I think the swinging mechanics are great, and... Um, yeah, once I kind of finish Kiwami, I'll probably like jump onto it because, as you know, I've got Fist of the North Star like loaded up. But I I don't want to jump into that as well because if I do, I'll never finish Spider Man. But I'm just like, this is a really bizarre tone for this game. And now weird. that you said that, it doesn't tie into the story. Again, <laughs> like the only the only stuff that ties in the story is like J. Jameson, and then later on. Um... The Silver Sable like mercenaries show up and they set up a bunch of like military checkpoints across the city and stuff. And when you're fighting those, Spider Man is like, ah, I really love taking down these rogue fascist mercenaries. And it's like, you help the police. You can't complain <laughs> about other people being fascist. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I I really hope the hundred percent ending of that game's like, yeah, I really enjoy taking down those rogue fascist mercenaries. Now there's only one rogue fascist left. And he just winks at the, <laughs> winks at the screen. <laughs> I'm just like, like, yeah. I, I mean, like, I was about, I was about to say something. I was like, that sounds weird. I was like, I'm not against his character being a rogue fascist in this game. I'm just like, <laughs> it just seems like it's at odds with, with what, with what I remember of Spider Man. Yeah. Or, or maybe I'm just remembering Spider Man with like nostalgia and I just go back and read his stories like actually no no Spider-Man's been pretty fascist since the beginning and we just never saw it because he hides it under this friendly veneer but it's yeah, like yeah, yeah it's just, it's such a weird like it it's such a weird beginning to that game but I was like I am looking forward to to playing it a bit more and, and I imagine like the fact that you're working for 
Oh, Octavius is that. That's got to go well, and nothing's going to happen in no, with that not. for the rest of the game. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty good, but it's just such a weird, <laughs> weird way to open the game. I was like, I'm not sure who I'm supposed to be rooting for here because I have I have heard a couple of J. Joe and the James, and it's like I'm like I I I don't think it. You know, I, I'm like he's this kind of Alex Jones figure, and I'm just like. He seems a lot less. He seems a lot less harmful than Spider Man right now. Um, so he, yeah, he definitely gets crazier at points. Like, and he does the. I appreciate that they do the kind of the Alex Jones thing of he'll get callers in that he thinks are backing up his point, and then they'll be like, "Oh yeah," and then Spider Man came and saved us, and then he hangs up on them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a nice little touch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that game's really good. Yeah. I really like it. Um, should we talk about board games? Because we have a couple of board games to talk about. We do, yeah. So, cool. Uh, yeah, we... It was weird. So we had a, a board game day, and we had this plan of playing all sorts of board games, and we played one. Yeah, we were going to play Letters from Whitechapel. Well, I say all sorts. We were really going to play Letters from Whitechapel and this, and then we just played this. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, we played Charterstone a few times. Yes, we did. Yeah. So, uh, on a side note, we were playing Charterstone, and you said, you know, would we be able to consider this for our game of the year deliberations? And it came out last year, two thousand seventeen. But it came out; it was available to buy in around about the eleventh of December. 2017. So I would say it's within that kind of little grey area we always have. Yeah, that makes sense. That we could consider it for this year. It's where Final Fantasy 15 comes out, and then we forget that Final Fantasy 15 came out at the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next year. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stone is a legacy style game from Jamie Stegmeyer. So it's the guy that made Scythe. Yep, and uh, Viticulture. Yep. And, and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, he did uh, the other worker placement game, and I always forget the name of it. Euphoria. Euphoria. Euphoria is very good. Yes. So this is a, a worker placement game as well. Uh, it starts off where you are cooperatively but competitively, if that makes any sense, you're building this village. And you go off, you have your own little section, a little charter to start. Mm-hmm. And off you go and you build your village. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the game has this, this mechanism. It has a deck of cards. And it allows you to do things. So it gives you, when you start the game, you get a character. And like I said, your section of the board where you can do things. You can build a building and you then take this building and physically place it, stick it on the board. Once you do that, it comes with other benefits as well. So building a building gives you access to other things that may be resources. It may be other special things that you can do as well. Every building comes with a crate. Once you then open the crate, it gives you more cards from this legacy deck. And sometimes it will give you a new element to the game, with which comes with new rules and things that you can do. And I think 
Yeah, anything else missing from that, really? Yeah, it's kind of hard to like go into much more detail about it without actually like, spoiling it, which is always kind of weird for a board game, but because it's, you know, it is spoilable. There is, you know, yes, you're yeah, unlocking yeah. new mechanics and stuff like that as you play it. The very base game is really simple. It is a worker placement game where everyone puts down their base buildings, and their base buildings are always, this produces coal, this produces iron, this produces clay, food wood whatever else like everyone has one of those basically and you can gather from any of them you're not stuck to your specific area of the village but yeah. as you progress you'll be building more buildings and you'll be getting mechanics that you know influence where you're putting buildings and what you're doing with them and stuff like that uh -huh. um and it was really cool it's we played three games of it i think because the first one was like so basic and simple that we were like ah we just need to keep playing um, yes yeah and by the end of that third game like it's such a different game <laughs> it's so bizarre um i really liked the mechanic it uses for carrying things over into each game where you have yeah. like, a literal little tuck box that all of your starting pieces go into and then you also get to carry over depending on like you there are ways to unlock stuff but basically to default with you carry over like you know certain amount of coins or certain uh -huh. amount of other resources and that's all pretty cool um i it's one of those games i really look forward to seeing how it changes as we play more of it which we're planning on doing in a few weeks yes yeah so the campaign is played over 12 games i think it is yeah i think so yeah yeah um so yeah we still have a good number of games left to get through uh, nine games yeah uh, really looking forward to it as well yeah. so the the other thing that is quite novel as well is that everything you do obviously during the course of each of these 12 games that you play has a point value a point score to it but there's certain things that you do, so certain achievements that you unlock uh, and buildings that you place on the board also count towards points for a final campaign. So you amass points and you'll tally them all up at the end of the campaign. So if you've you know, unlocked uh, bonus workers or anything like that, extra workers, you get bonus points for doing that during the the, the whole campaign and like i said the buildings as well the cool thing about it as well is that there are more buildings in the game that there are spaces on the board yeah which then means you can build over buildings yeah which is quite I, nice because it's permanent like if you build over a building it does say or at least it does at the moment i don't know if it changes it does say like you can't build over the ones that give you starting resources you fucking maniacs yes like, you can't you can't get rid of the spot that gives you you know clay because you would break because... the game that would make yes. it impossible and everyone would hate you yes but i don't know maybe they'll add the mechanic layer that lets you do that yeah i don't know um, um yeah th that's it we have no idea as so one of the other things that the game does is it comes straight out of the box and it's got a double-sided map. Mm -hmm. So what they do sell as well as what they call a recharge pack, which so when you finish the game, you can then take 
you know all the pieces and you can reset it as much as possible and the recharge back gives you all these legacy cards a whole stack of them and you just stick them back inside the box and off you go you're ready to start the campaign again so given how much we've played so far and what we've unlocked is that something you think would you play that again kieran would you go through the whole campaign again and unlocking stuff do you think it'd be i don't know quite cool i think it would be fun i definitely with different people like uh, i don't think obviously once we are done i don't think i would say yeah let's all play it again from yeah, the start. Yeah. Like I think you definitely but playing it through with different people means that you know what's gonna happen, but they but don't you... necessarily do, and you don't know the order that stuff's gonna happen in. Yes, yeah. Which is uh, cool. Yeah, I I've also read some in some forums and things that there's people that they go and they they say, right, well they create certain rules. So everyone's played the game before and they, they've seen everything that comes out. And they set certain rules and say, right, we're only going to build these buildings for game one and for game two. You know, they already have this site, this section of the board is reserved for certain buildings and things. And people have been having fun that way as well. But I have seen people buy the game, buy a recharge pack and then duplicate the purchase again. So they end up playing the campaign four times. Bizarre. Yeah. I think. Yeah. The interesting thing as well is that once you're finished, you can play that, you know, you have this entire game with all the different elements that you can play without it. Yeah, I was joking that I hope that the game just, I hope the final version of the board just looks like the Euphoria board. Like, I hope it's just (laughs) like, I hope the whole thing is just you destroying this world and building this dystopia. (laughs) Yeah, that that would be quite cool. Um, It's yeah, I'm not too sure how much I will play it afterwards, but I'm I'm pretty confident that we are going to try try at least to try and get, get all twelve it. games yeah. done. Yeah, and if I'm else, playing a game twelve times is more than I've played most of the board games in my collection that aren't called Splendor. Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah. Nathan, have you played any of these campaign games or the legacy games at all? Uh, no, but. Looking to play Scythe soon, I believe. Yeah, we're going to start the Scythe campaign that they added in the. All oh, right. Expansion. Yes. Yeah, um, Rise of Chris. And, yeah. and I've ordered a fuckload of expensive dumb ones <laughs> off Kickstarter. And it's so... a ki- and they're Kickstarter, so pretty much all of them come with campaigns because it's the, yes, it's the hip, fun thing that everyone loves. So yes, yeah. <laughs> Some of them might be good. Yeah. That. That Cthulhu one you backed that's by the same guy that made Rising Sun, that has a campaign and that sounds good. I'm looking yes. I, bought, I bought the stupid tier that's the finale as well. Yeah. Oh, with with a big fuck off meeple yeah. that's bigger than a baby. <laughs> yep. That's pretty good. <laughs> I look forward to you carrying that to board game meetups. Yes. Uh, yeah. Next time we meet up with Brewdog and you have this strapped to your back. It's what, it's what I'll go gym for. <laughs> so you can lift heavy things. So, what do you guys think is some? So, there's some of the legacy games that are coming out. There is, it's already out, which is the Werewolf Legacy game. Do you have any any thoughts of that? Or I don't really care about Werewolf that much. Yeah, I've my main I have take away from it. Yeah, I don't like Werewolf, so 
and I, I have I don't hate werewolf as much as you do. <laughs> I just don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't really care about it Wait. either way. Wait, what is right. werewolf? Uh, it's like that. Remember we played Salem? Yeah, we, yeah. It's basically that. Oh, uh, you mean the? Is it like the one that's the VR game? Yes. Yeah, that VR yes. game is a VR version of the. Board game. That's a yes. Yeah. Oh, that game is uh, great. So the reason I don't like it is that when you're playing it as a board game, somebody can get eliminated and they basically have to sit there for up to an hour while everyone else finishes the game. Ah, see, the the VR version is nonsense because no one plays it properly and you just spend (laughs) your whole time barking like, you, you're the werewolf, aren't you? (laughs) It just devolves into insanity. I I didn't actually realise that was a game with rules. Because <laughs> it has it has a feature where if you're using the VR, you like basically lean over to the next person. You can whisper to them. So everyone just keeps whispering to each other. I was like, I think that guy over there is the werewolf. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I actually really want to play that. Yeah, VR. yeah, it, it, it's absolutely fucking ridiculous because it's yeah, it's like you know, you get the. I didn't actually realize it was a board game because you get. The worst of online gaming mixed with VR, so it's just no one takes it seriously. Everyone's just trying to ruin the game. It's just fucking great. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that Salem game. I think was that Witch Bros. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, that that game was good. I think Salem Salem's very like it's a lot like Werewolf, but I feel like they make enough little changes to make it faster. So when you get knocked yeah. out, you're not knocked out for that long. Yeah, and it's more of a game, you know, rather than. Uh, Werewolf, Werewolf a, lot, is a... A, lot, a lot of Salem is just playing cards for playing cards' sake. There's not right, yeah. <laughs> There's right. a lot of Salem that feels like they built it with rules in place, but actually you're just like, I don't know, fuck it. If I play this card, then I lose, so I'm going to play this one. Done. Right, okay. <laughs> none that... of the cards really matter, except for the one that says you're a witch. See, again with that Salem game, I don't remember if the game was good or not, but because of the general way that I just play board games and like I play it like it's an online game so I aim to ruin your game <laughs> even, at, even at the expense of me winning or you know, it's like if there's if there's any chance for me to cause anarchy I'll take it yeah. so these campaign games are going to go fucking great by the way it's going to be great with me. Yeah. yeah but yeah a werewolf campaign doesn't really seem super interesting to me the, yeah. they're doing a uh House in the Hill one, which could be a bit better. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm more intrigued about that one and the fact that it is replayable and resettable. I'm yeah. I'm curious about. So, um, but I like, I don't know, I like the people through it. Yeah, <laughs> d- you know, I've liked uh, other campaign games. Pandemic was good from what I played, yeah. but I've not finished this though. Um, right, there, there's also uh, the one that I'm not too sure of it. Is Machikoro Legacy? Is that a thing? That is a thing. Yes. I kind of want that... that. That sounds like it might not work. Yeah, you know, and we've already had Charterstone, so yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I but yeah, definitely. Def- why has no one made a? Why has no one made the letters from Whitechapel Legacy yet? <laughs> I want that. As I don't know how it'd work. I'm not a board game designer. Someone go on that. <laughs> so, so what does legacy mean? 
This so do things that permanently changes the game afterwards. Yeah. So normally the the first game was Risk Legacy, and the thing that Risk Legacy did was you got to pick a color, you know, and your your factions, and all the models were different and things, and it said pick a a power that you're going to use, and you picked a power and you took took a sticker and you stuck it on your card that was your your power that you could do there was four three or four other powers that you could pick and the game then instructs you to rip up that card and put it in the bin because those powers will never be used again so the the, the one of the biggest elements of legacy games is where you will be destroying components and things like that yeah whereas the campaign games are generally the same thing but you don't destroy the components you just put it in a box yeah, the, somewhere and take it out again later. Yeah, okay. and the, the, the so the safe one, the safe one we're doing is specifically split into modules that get introduced in each game, and then afterwards you can just use them as you know a game. As you, uh, yeah, as you see fit, you can uh, you can add you know the 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 flying squid module. Uh, and wow, spoiler yeah. for South Jesus. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the flying robot squid. Uh, that's probably a thing, isn't that? I hope not. <laughs> but yeah, so, so. Uh, with campaign games, you can add and remove things as is. Uh, legacy games normally tend to they leave the game with a in an altered state by the time you're finished with it. Yeah, you play it like twelve times, and that's it. But the yeah, the thing that I was kind of mentioned though is. You know, think of the amount of times we have played the games we have played. So, like, if you play a game twelve times, it's quite a lot of times for a game. It's more than most. Yeah. Um. So, when legacy style games first started coming out, people were like, "Oh, that's that's bullshit," because you're putting a, you know, kind of a a time limit or a play limit on the games. I'm I'm only ever going to be able to play that game fifteen times. Was uh, for risk, uh, pandemic, yeah, risk legacy and pandemic legacy were yeah. fifty game shots, and the people that were complaining about this were people that had, you know, hundreds of board games in their collection, and the most they ever played a game was six times. Yeah, <laughs> so I definitely yeah, so don't like... own any games that I've never played, video games or board games. Well, Kieran agreed to play that Street Fighter game that I got forty times, so. I did agree to that. 40 so, times. Yeah, so we're going to do a campaign on it. I don't know how. I don't think it comes with a campaign. <laughs> Nathan's going to write one, though. And then we're going to right. He's going to be like, uh... all right. But if I write a campaign for that, we better than Street Fighter 5 story mode. I mean, so, that's, yeah, that's not saying much. <laughs> that that one starts with you fighting a goat or something? I don't you know. also have to make the art as bad as the Street Fighter 5 arcade one, though. Hey, the Challenge accepted. You have to be like, oh, man, this game came with all of these really good sculptured models, but I drew this 2D art and like MS Paint for the campaign to explain the story. <laughs> it's it's gonna be the new just D limited series like level of art quality. Sounds good. So it's it's definitely gonna be storyboards and MS Paint. Um, this has so, to happen. Um, yeah, this is this definitely. I mean. I paid stupid money and I've got 40 figurines coming. We're playing this game, goddamn. We're using all these damn figurines. <laughs> all <laughs> it's of happening. Them. 
All of them. In Even one if we fight. do it at once. We're going to do Street Fighter goddamn Armageddon. It's, it's happening. <laughs> the, the That's how I justify the cost. A hundred Street <laughs> Fighters drop onto Nylons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, oh, I'm looking forward to, to playing to playing Scythe. Like, we've been trying to do it for a long time, but the third person we're looking to do it with is very elusive. Right. He's very in another country right now, I believe is what he's <laughs> trying to say. Yeah, very elusive. He's very hard to reach. Because he's right. literally not in the country. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's fair enough. I, I think... I'm trying to think if there's any other sort of legacy games... Well, specifically the, the legacy name, which is... Well, normally has Rob Delvio's name to it. Yeah. I don't think there's any other ones coming out. There was the the Ultimate Werewolf, and then there was Betrayal and Machikoro Legacy. Yeah, I hadn't uh, heard of the Machikoro one, and that is actually just making me super interested now. <laughs> yeah, I I will be interested to see what they do with that one. That one and the Betrayal at House in the Hill, because I really like Betrayal at House in the Hill. I don't. I know you don't for various reasons, but you did enjoy the what the game we played, and we made sure that we got the scenario from the the new expansion. Yeah, you that quite, one was. Yeah, you. Yeah, I have the, yeah. The, I guess my my issue isn't that I dislike Betrayal at House in the Hell. It's just that I find it inconsistent. So I've had games I've really enjoyed of it, like that one. And the one where Nathan went up and down the elevator infecting everyone, which was fun. <coughs> um, but, you know, I've also had games of it where it's like, ah, eh, this is me. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's it's all about the attic. I suppose it's what you, what you put into it. Yeah. That, that game was good. We should play that again. We should. It's- Play the legacy one. Yes. Has it got a legacy one? Yeah, it's coming out. <coughs> I don't think it's out yet, but it's coming. Yeah, it's coming, yeah. So I'm not too sure when, but it is coming. At some point. Um yeah. do we have any other board games we'll bring up? Um I played so I played a couple of games with Anne um, at the weekend as well. We played a game called Brewcraft as the card game. <laughs> and it is a game where you are, you have a brewery and you you know, you add equipment to your brewery and then you brew beer. Uh, it's all played with the same deck of cards. And it's a, it's a travel card game, so it's meant to, you know, be this one deck of cards that you can take in, you know, put it in your pocket and then play it when you, you get to where you're going or whatever. Yeah. The the way that it works is you have, it's basically a race. The first two 21 points triggers the end game and then whoever's got the most points after that and there's some ways to get bonus points. Whoever's got the most points after final scoring wins the game. That's it. Very quick game. You start off with four cards in your hand. And you, the cards I have uh, two 
things that you can do with them. They either count as an ingredient. So there's different ingredients. I think there's malt, barley, hops, and there's coffee and a couple of other things. You know, you combine the malt in different ways to make different beers. Mm -hmm. So let's say, for example, to make an ale, you need two hops, one yeast, one barley, and some fruit, for example. And that would give you a specific recipe of an ale. And so you, you have this menu of all the different beers that you can make. So that's the one thing you can do with the cards. Or if you want, you can take the card as an asset and you can use its, uh, its full, you know, its larger face value. So it may be, a, it may be an employee who is a, a stout specialist. So every time you make a stout, you gain one extra point for doing it. Or it may be a piece of equipment. It may be a dry hopper. So it, you know, it allows you to create lagers uh, cheaper with one less ingredient, things like that. So you can end up building this brewery with all these people that work for you and equipment in it. And if you chain them, you're able, you would be able to make a beer cheaper when it comes to making a beer and then gaining bonus points for making that beer as well. So it's kind of like an engine builder a, a little yeah. bit, you know, in that way that you, you set everything up so that when you play your set of cards, you get bonus points and bonus things happening. Sometimes you get cards back to, in your hand and things like that. And if yeah. you So you could also create... kind of specialize in specific things if you wanted. And... Yes. Yeah. So if you build the right chain, you know, you only need to make one beer as opposed to somebody who's just making beers willy-nilly. You're making literally um, one beer. And you've set out so well you win the game. You're like, <laughs> I made this one bottle of beer and retired. Yeah. <laughs> um, really fun game. It was good. The A lot of... <clears throat> excuse me. A lot of variety into it that you could play. It was simple enough to teach as well. It was two minutes and that was it. We knew the game. Off we go. We didn't need to refer to the rule book. Uh, no problems. That was max 20 minutes with learning the game and everything. Really good. Really enjoyed it. So we played that, and then afterwards we played another game. So that was one of the games I picked up in the Bring and Buy sale at Tabletop Scotland. Mm -hmm. And then I played. we played another game called Brave Rats. So Brave Rats is a card game it's a two-player card game and it's by seiji kanai which is the the man responsible for love letter a epics uh, lost legacy and all those kind of micro card games the you know the japanese games that came very popular they say it's a game for two players it's got seven you've got eight cards each uh, and they're all numbered zero through to seven and they, apart from the numbers, they also have special abilities, like the number zero card is unbeatable, for example. Mm -hmm. The number three card allows you to uh, look at your opponent's hand or, you know, kind of those types of powers and things. And the way that it works is you both choose a card, you place it face down in front of you, you reveal them at the same time, and you resolve any powers that the card has. And then the one with the highest number wins. That's it. You basically want to, uh, whoever gets uh, to four points first, 
wins the wins the game. That's it. Okay, Very okay. simple. We didn't enjoy it. We played two games, and it just felt as if it was missing something. Yeah, it doesn't sound. Yeah, super it was exciting, basically. Yeah, and it's the it's the first one of Seiji Kane's games that I've not really enjoyed. I mean, Love Letter is brilliant. I, I love Love Letter. I think you like it as well. Yeah, Love Letter is great. So, Love Letter, do you like it or not? I love Love Letter. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's back. Just in case you're wondering what's happening, we had little technical difficulties, uh, but Paul yes. will cut it and stitch it together and things. So, so yes, we didn't like Brave Rats at all. It was just missing something, and I was saying that it's unusual because you know, most of the things that I've played from Seiji Kana is really good. Yeah. I don't know if I've played anything of his except for Love Letter, but I like Love Letter. Right. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, other than that, I have not played anything else, really. Cool. Cool. So, uh, should we... Uh, we've been running a little bit late, I think, and... Uh, your internet's been acting up for a change, Kieran. So should yeah. we just move on and do some new releases? Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Do you want to talk talk us through some of them for a change? Yeah, sure. Or... So this is the week ending on the twelfth. Uh, I think that's how yes, time works. I, yeah. For yeah. Yes, the twelfth. We're on the twelfth. Oh, <laughs> well, by the time the podcast goes up, it will be... There's no point in us going through this week's releases because it's like, here's stuff that's coming out tomorrow. The podcast won't be out for a couple of days after that. So here's what came out. Wow, <laughs> that sounds pretty logical. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my brain kind of froze. I was like, wait, are we that far into the month? <laughs> yeah, especially given how your work is going in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you probably I can understand why you'd maybe panic if you're like, oh yeah, fuck. Was, yeah. Oh man. Um yeah. Uh on the ninth we have Goosebumps the game coming out for the Switch. Okay, yeah. It moving looks, on. It looks terrible. <laughs> um The Occupation coming to PS4 and Xbox One. I don't know what that one is either. Yeah. Uh, I'm not too sure. It's an upcoming single-player game developed by White Paper Games. That's useless. Thanks, Google. Um, Space Hulk Tactics is going to PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Right. I don't know which one that is. It's, it's um, obviously, guess, a, obviously a Warhammer I, thing. but Yeah, and obviously some sort of RTS. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of like XCOMing, is it not? It might be. That would make sense. I think the yeah. space the, the Space Hulk is kinda of like the, the XCOM isometric ones. I've never played them but and you're yeah. right, there's like ten million Warhammer games so I'm pretty sure like <laughs> I'm pretty sure the 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 Space Hulk ones are kinda of like you control the space marine thing. I think and you're if right. Anybody actually watches the you know knows about Warhammer they're probably cringing as I call them, space marine things. So let's move on. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I think you're right on that one. I, I don't know. But yeah, they release a new Space Hulk game in particular. Never mind another Warhammer game every other month. So 
then uh, Game of the Year candidate WWE 2K19 comes out on 9th as well for PS4, Xbox One, PC. Alright, uh, okay. I think there's also, is there also a Switch version of that? Is that coming later? Did they uh, give up after the first one? Who knows? Yeah, I'm not too sure. WWE, always a game. Uh, <laughs> bridge Constructor Compilation for PS4. Uh, I don't uh-huh. know specifically which ones are compiled into that bundle, but those Bridge Constructor games are very good, so that's probably worth money. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 for PS4, Xbox One, PC. Comes out on 12th. That's... I'm sort of interested in that one, just because their Battle Royale mode looks really fun. Yeah. But the better it's Call of Duty is the better I'm less interested. What's the weird thing with that? Is it that you can't buy the DLC packs separate? I think so. I think you have to buy the whole season pass to get the DLC packs. Yeah. So it's either kind of like an all or nothing deal. Yeah. It's like what Nintendo did with Zelda. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of get it. It's a bit weird, but it's I suppose weird. it's, I suppose it's so you don't end up with a thing where it's like this pack sold a hundred percent and like no one bought this one. Sorry for the five people that did. Yeah, I assume that like I don't know how Call of Duty sales numbers are these days, or like how they retain the base compared to how they used to when Call of Duty was the biggest game in the world. But I wonder if this is a hey, we have slightly fewer people playing the game now, so rather than people being split into, you can play with just people at the base game, people at the base game and one DLC, or base game with two DLC, or base game with, or whatever they probably are just like, fuck it, you have the DLC or you don't. That's it. It's also just weird, like, a Call of Duty coming out this early as well. Yeah, aren't they usually, like, November-ish? Yeah. Yeah. It's like weird. It's, it's like, it's coming out early with no single-player campaign. Yeah. Imagine it was, like, to probably avoid the clobbering of Red Dead? Do you think? Oh, uh, I don't know. It's Red Dead's only a couple of weeks away. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's a like at least you can get the sales in. But like, imagine who's buying it at the same week. But that's yeah. this, this, that's that's just by late night conspiracy theories. No, I, I can know. believe that. It it's very unlikely that they're moving out of the way of Battlefield. So <laughs> they don't they don't really care about Battlefield. Yeah, yeah. I I just think it's like weird that it's this year. It's yeah. this year with that high profile release that was very vocal about the month it was coming out. It's like we're in October, suckers. Everyone else, we're in October, and it's like it's uh, it's because Tycho Drum Master's coming out in November, so they wanted to get ahead of that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> They're like, fuck yeah. it, we need to <laughs> we need to get out before that does, or else we're never going to sell any copies. Yeah, because the Ven- I the Ven- that's coming out. <laughs> the Venn diagram for those two fan bases is just one circle. Especially, especially given the. I mean, there is a PS4 version of Taiko Drum Master coming out, but the version you would want to buy, the one that comes with the plastic drum and stuff, is only on Switch, which Black Ops is obviously not coming out on. So it's an even smaller Venn diagram overlap. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I'm skipping Call of Duty this year. Yes. To play drums. Um, then Disgaea 1 Complete comes out for PS4 and Switch on the 12th as well. No! <laughs> that's, 
How many hundreds of hours are you going to put into that, Nathan? I'll definitely buy it and put... <laughs> and not play it at all. Bro, like, it, you can't play those games. They're not games. <laughs> They're ways of life. It's just like, you play it for 300 hours and... It, those games are basically about breaking the game. It's the most meta RPG series that you could ever play. Like the last one, um, it featured a system where you could go into your weapons and level them up from the inside and just break the game with them. It's like, what do you do? You you can't say you play that. You experience it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel, I actually feel overwhelmed and my chest tightening just thinking about the fact that there's another one coming out. And that I'm gonna play it for I... maybe 20, 30 hours, and then I still can't <laughs> say I played it. I always meant to pick up that one that came out on Switch last time. The was it five? Yeah, it was five. I never did. I never will. Um... Don't do it. Do it. Don't. No, don't. Maybe. Instead, I'm gonna pick up the World Ends with You Final Max coming to Switch. Yay! Hooray! No one else excited for that one. I've got that pre-ordered, don't I? You probably do. Yeah. You should probably cancel it. Nah. You probably spent that money on the Horizon Zero Dawn board game. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's a fucking anecdote for the podcast. <laughs> I went to see... What the fucking movie did we go see? Oh, we went to... Black Klansman. Black Klansman. Um, it was me, Nathan, Nathan's girlfriend. Or fiancé. And... Yeah. We were sitting in like the Starbucks next to the Center World, waiting for the movie to you know start so we could go in. And Nathan was saying complaining that they'd forgot to cancel something, and then looked at his phone and was like, "Oh fuck, I also forgot to cancel this Horizon Zero Dawn game that took a hundred pounds off my bank account." <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and he was just sitting head in hands while me and this fiance are sitting like drinking coffee and chatting. <laughs> and Nathan's just like breaking down at the side of his desk, like, oh, "What have I done?" The the thing is, right. And, uh, and the the reason I backed it made it even more stupid when you think about it because I backed it and I was like, oh, this is a limited edition tier, which was ninety five pounds. The normal version was five was just a hundred. So the saving of five pounds of what of FOMO and and then <laughs> I didn't actually want it because I was like, wait, I don't actually like Horizon. Oh, and then I can't. <laughs> you I can't go, say, you're worried about FOMO for a game that no one's going to remember by the time it ships. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was like, no, and then and then I was like, oh, I'll cancel that. I was like, I've got to remember to cancel that. And I kept saying it to you. Yeah, I never did. Anyway, the world <laughs> ends with you. Final mix comes out next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I was thinking about getting it, but I played quite a lot of it when it first came out in the DS, and it feels like. A lot of the stuff I buy for the Switch is stuff I'm buying for the second and third time. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I want to pick okay. up, because I played on DS, but I never finished it, and I didn't get that far into it, so I'd be fine starting it again and just playing on a portable that I actually carry with me. Uh-huh. But also, I have so many unfinished JRPGs. I've still but not finished it. Persona 5. I yeah, can't buy I've, more. I, I've not even looked at uh, Zelda. I've I need to go back and start Xenoblade Chronicles again. I'm in the process of Octopath Traveler. Don't even start me on Final Fantasy. Um 
Yeah, and Wait I also all those Final I, Fantasies come out for Switch next year. Yeah, they replay so, seven and eight, or sorry, not eight, seven and nine, because they're not re-releasing eight ever. And World of Final Fantasy. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and I also bought that <coughs> chibi version of uh, fourteen as well. So. Oh God. Um. Oh, yeah, uh, and I know. I still need to finish. Yeah, 15, yeah, the Pocket Edition, yeah. So I need to, and I need to finish 15 proper as well. You could literally do that in like an hour. That game's pretty short. Yeah, sure. Wait, 15 <laughs> is or the, the, the portable version of 15 is? Or both? Oh, no, 15. Um, It's definitely shorter than that, I realised. You can skip most of the side stuff. And the main story is not that. The, the main story is unfinished, so it's not that long. <laughs> As it turns out, that might have been yeah, no, a really no long game if they finished it. <laughs> yes, no, no one's actually completed that game because it's still coming out. Yeah. Piece, People have gotten to the end of that game. I got to the end of it. I saw credits. I think there's that, credits at the end of that game. Like that that game, I'm pretty sure you could beat it at like level thirty. I was level no i wasn't there i was like 37 or something like that i was like exactly what the level suggested for the missions and yeah that game is i like that game but yeah yeah that that game's a beautiful catastrophe it's one of my favorite messes yeah i ended up coming around on it by the end but yeah um that's all the releases. The only other ones I'm going to bump in here is that Bulletstorm and Yakuza Kiwami are the PlayStation Plus games that come out in November. Right. Uh, that's the only new story I wanted to bring up. Cool. Because that's going to be good. I've played both those games. They're both good games. You should really give Yakuza Kiwami a try. Yeah. I think it's really weird they're putting Kiwami up and not Zero. <clears throat> because Zero is I feel like the better entry point to the series, even though Kiwami is technically the first game. Right. I feel like Zero was specifically designed to be like, look, we learned how to make games very differently since then. And here's the best one that we could make. And also it's an entry point. Well, yeah, like Zero was kind of made like it's kinda of like a fan. Like an answer to fans are basically like, we want Majima. <laughs> <laughs> Where, so it's, it's kind of got like a weird kind of prequel feel, but I suppose you appreciate it more if you know the characters, but it stands on it, stands by itself as a great story. Yeah. Whereas like, Kiwami is a great game, but it also, it does suffer from that very, very clear PS2 game structure where it's like, <laughs> Yes. You have long reads where it's just like cutscene after cutscene where it's like we finally got the budget and the technology to make long form cutscenes and <laughs> by god you're going to sit through them you <laughs> bastard. Yeah. But once it gets going it's a, it's a fantastic game. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's still a great game. It's, They're all great it, games of the ones they I've are. Played. It's like I think like if you play Kiwami and you don't like it, then it's probably just not the series for you because it's yeah. still got the series trademark just weirdness along along a alongside a over the top full of bravado storyline where it's just you got these side quests that are like 
completely at odds with what's going on in the in the actual story. Yeah. Right. If, if there's any game that like kind of I, I don't even say suffers from it, but if there's any game that is literally like um what you call it, like lack of lack of urgency in terms of its side story, stories, yeah. it's it's definitely Yakuza. Yeah, it's very much like the police are hunting down all of the Yakuza in the city, you gotta get out of there. And you're like, all right, cool, but I'm gonna go and help this person with a job interview first. And it's like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm gonna help teach this, uh, fuck, what is this fucking dominatrix how to be a better dominatrix. <laughs> One of my favorite, like, series points is, like, in Yakuza 4, you play as a, a guy who escapes from prison. He goes into the city where all the games take place, and he's like, he has to travel through the sewers because the the police are out looking for him. So you have to like use the sewers to get around the city. But as soon as you get out of those sewers, you meet a guy who just comes up to you. He's like, "You're pretty muscly. You look like you could manage my MMA gym." And then I spent the next twenty hours playing this <laughs> MMA gym management game. <laughs> while in while in the context of it being like, man, I really need to get to a hideout because the police are chasing me. But I'm also gonna manage this MMA gym and take all these uh all these like kind of misfit fighters to to MMA tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like that that is Yakuza. And if you can deal with that, then it, it might just be the beginning of an unhealthy relationship with that series. Yes. As Kieran has found out. Yep. As it turns out, I bought a lot of those games in the past year. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm Really, I've got to the point where I'm really liking Kiwami 2, but I'm most looking forward to finishing Kiwami 2 so that I can buy the Fist of the North Star one. <laughs> just, just as a palate cleanser. Pretty much. Right. <laughs> cool. Have we have we got any more new releases that is? That's us. Cool. Excellent. Have we got anything else to add? Uh, there's. Nintendo games next week. The next yes. batch of the NES classics. Oh, yeah. I forget what ones there are. It's Super Dodgeball and Golf? Oh, yeah. Golf's think... one of them, I think. Yeah. There's golf. three of them, isn't there? Yeah, there's three. I can't remember what the other one is. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's Golf and Super Dodgeball. Which Super Dodgeball is uh, really good. Golf's isn't really good. Sol- uh, Solomon's Key one of them? That's probably right. I believe that. I know Solomon's Key's one of them, but I don't know when. I don't know if it's next month or this yeah. month or next month. Or... I am frantically googling, but I can't find it. So, <laughs> so we'll never know. I'm gonna say oh. it's Solomon's Key, the Nest Golf Open Tour, whatever the fuck that's called, the one with Mario in it. And, oh yeah. Uh, the one I said first, Super Dodgeball. Right. Johnny, there's a piece of news that, well, it's kind of a rumor mill, but I don't know if I told you earlier, Kieran, that apparently there's been news in Wall Street Journal Japan that they're planning to release a new version of the Switch next year. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's it. But there's like no, they have no idea what it is. (laughs) They're just like, there'll be another one. It's like, that could mean anything from like... yeah, it's got a picture of somebody on it, or 
Yeah. More likely it's going to be like a hardware revision, but, but that again, that could still just mean it has a you know brighter screen or better battery right. life or something. It doesn't necessarily mean like we're doing a Switch XL. It's now a forty-three inch screen, and you carry it around like a. Yeah, with like three bodyguards and stuff. <laughs> exactly, or Switch Mini, because that's the one that a lot of people still want. Is like a kind of smaller Switch. It's like three DS size that would have to. Why? Have... I don't know. People think the Switch is too big. I like the size of it personally. Yeah. Um, but I can see, understand why it's why people consider it big. Not everyone carries a bag. Ah. Uh, yeah, I mean the the room was. It's I say it's a room, but it's from Wall Street. Journal Japan and they're pretty solid for yeah. news like that. But even in the article, they're like, "Yeah, Nintendo seems to still be debating what they want to do with this." Yeah, <laughs> it's, it just it's... seems to be like a very because you know, like um, Nintendo are very financial focused, so they're kind of like they've said to their investors, "Like, well, we're planning to do a revision of it, but it doesn't seem like they've decided yet." Yeah, it's they like, haven't well, said what it's going to be. <laughs> we're going to do this. It's gonna. It's, it's coming. You know, we don't we don't know what it's gonna be, but it is coming. We need to print more money. It's gonna come <laughs> Switch is already doing it, but we need more. That's it. Um, bring, just bring out Wii Fit for the Switch. <laughs> oh, no. be, yeah, it's a Switch that's built into a balance. Switch Fit. But yeah, <laughs> need a need a vitality board for the, <laughs> for the Switch. So, they're great. Finally, bring out the vitality sensor. Finally. <laughs> Uh, I found the list of games. So Solomon's Key, NES, Open Tournament Golf, and Super Dodgeball are the October games for the right. NES Classic thing that comes out Thursday next week. Okay, um, right. And also, uh, there's like a bunch of SP versions of games that are coming out and on all the European ones, but they still haven't said what that is. They're just listed right. as like. Their games are already out, so it's like River City Ransom SP, and it's like, what does that mean? So I think people are speculating there's just different translations over or something. Right. It's only listed on the European one. So we'll find out. That service is okay. Oh. Yeah. River City hey, Ransom's yeah. a good game. Yeah. Super Dodgeball's a good game. The oh, month okay. after, in November, we're getting Twinbee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good game. Twinbee's a good game. What the parodious one or? Yeah, the parodious one. Yeah, the the the, sh- the shmup. Oh. Not the Twinbee you want, Nathan, because Super yeah. Nintendo games aren't on there yet. Fuck. But yeah, maybe do... someday we'll get. The fuck is the full name of that game? Twin. <laughs> Come on, man. Twinbee Rainbow Bell Adventure. Rainbow but it's not Bell. just Twinbee. It's yeah. got something else before it, isn't it? No, I'm pretty sure it's just Twin B Rainbow Bell Adventures. I'm Googling it. It's Poppin' Twin B Rainbow Bell Adventures. Oh, I told you. Who's Pop? Poppin' yeah. Twin B. Yeah, no, that is kind of weird. There's no one in that game called Pop. Poppin' Twin B. <laughs> that game's great. That I was the first the game series, I legally man. bought and put on my Super Nintendo Mini and definitely did not pirate. Right. You, you, that... paid, you paid for it with adoration. <laughs> yep. I'm sure that this podcast has talked about that game more than any other video game podcast in the past year. <laughs> so, yeah. It, I haven't played that game in like probably coming up to 15 years. 
but I've still got the goddamn music in my head and even the do 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 that is burnt into my brain. It's very good. And you From... can just keep jumping into space, which is pretty good as well. Yeah, that like why why would you not get that game? It's true. But that's not common. Ever. No. I think that's what Nintendo are considering, just baking that into every new Switch. Oh, that's exactly. the hardware of it. It's just got yeah. built in like physical cartridge of <laughs> Oh what the fuck. That'd be pretty good. Yeah. So I think the only thing left to do is thank Nathan for coming on and uh, derailing the show as usual. It's uh, always fun. <laughs> I figured I hope to do it again. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, cool. I don't think there's anything else to add, is there, at all? Nah, we got it all. Cool. In that case, we will thank you all for listening to our drivel and we will see you again next time. See ya. See ya.